You're listening to the Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast, a podcast that will help you succeed before, during, and after your crowdfunding event. And now, here is your host, Andrew Lowen. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. I am your esteemed host, Andrew Lowen, and I am joined, as always, by Sexy Irish Sean and SEO Wizard Rick. On this episode, we really wanted to dive deep into shipping because so many people that go to Kickstarter totally screw shipping up and ruin everything for themselves. And I don't want that to happen to you, especially if you hire us to do all of your marketing and then get all the way till you launch on Kickstarter, have a really, really amazing product and a really terrible shipping offer and don't fund because of because you haven't thought it through. So that is what this episode is designed to do. And in addition to that, we are about four weeks out. Actually, when this podcast hits, we'll be three weeks out of the deliverance launch on Kickstarter. And I thought because it's a firsthand case study that we're working on, you know, it's literally my game that I've, you know, uh, imagined up five years ago and am bringing to Kickstarter, thought it'd be of great merit to share Oh, just a status update with you guys and what types of things I'm dealing with. And we uh, we also have a really cool follow-up that we'll be doing. Uh, we tapped uh, Nigel Matthews of ShipQuest. 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 To join us on our podcast in a future episode. And we will dive even deeper. They're also World of Warcraft players. So we probably no will spend a great deal talking about that. But if they're noobs, I don't know if I want to talk about it. Like, Get on my level, bro. <laughs> All right. So yeah, let's let's get into deliverance and what has been going on. So my announcement was really like in the month of April, I decided, okay, we're going to Kickstarter at the beginning of April and I have to, you know, prep all of the things. So I actually, I put a list together of hygiene factors, the things that we absolutely need to have that will hurt the chances of our campaign funding as much as it can possibly fund, you know, and, and I kind of organized those into a list of the most difficult things to do at the last minute at the top. A playthrough video was the very first thing that I wanted to get right. I just, you know, if all else failed and, you know, we had like one reviewer and whatever, I just wanted them to actually see the game, watch it being played. And, you know, then they could use that to make a decision. Also, of course, right at the very top, right alongside the playthrough video, which I scheduled for the 1st of May, we did a recording session. It was a lot of fun and uh, could talk plenty about that. But in addition to a playthrough video, we also did, uh, we also organized reviewers. So reviewers need advance notice. And I put together a list of reviewers and we organized them based on the uh, you know how we felt like they would resonate with or our our game would resonate with their audience and kind of listed them in order of priority and kind of and started contacting people of let's say I'll talk in percentages so percentage wise 85% of the reviewers we contacted wanted to review our game so we had 15% that felt that it wasn't a good fit for their channel or maybe I I actually thought it was a great fit for a chant one channel or two that turned us down because you know these people are really busy as is so they get to kind of pick and choose and I asked you know hey why is why do you think this is not a good fit for your channel and they just said you know I just have no interest in playing a dungeon crawler it was just a personal preference and that's I think what a lot of this boils down to and I actually appreciated that I want to make sure that people have 
uh, that people enjoy the type of game that I'm sending them. That's going to make for a better review. It's going to make for a more positive review. It's going to help people. It's going to connect with other people that like what that person likes, you know? And so, and so those were the two things that I jumped on. We can sort of relate to that at this stage. We're having to turn away some people because we just are uh, getting a lot of leads coming in and people wanting Kickstarter services. So I suppose you know, we know how that feels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a bunch more just poured in last night. I was like, dang, poor Sean. <laughs> yeah. I spent two hours yesterday just replying to emails. <laughs> That's crazy. It nuts. I mean, it's, it really is a blessing for us, but there is such a demand. People have these passion projects and they're going to Kickstarter. And I'll tell you, you know, just for for our part, just like I placed extreme importance on reviewers, you really need to lock in all of your vendors as early as you possibly can. So uh, your marketing vendor, it just so happens that I am a marketing vendor to others, which by the way, marketing deliverance is hard. It, it would be a lot easier if it was someone else's game and they were like, hey, you know, I have this game called Deliverance and, you know, here's my target market and here's what they like and so on and so forth. It would be a lot easier to market. But because I'm so close to it, it's actually proven to be uh, more challenging. Number one, because we have so many other commitments to our clients and that's really the most important thing. We can't drop the ball on a client just because we have, you know, Deliverance. We have to fit it in. And so I've been working, you know, typically nights or very early mornings on our ads to make sure that we actually have not only the the ads running and earning a decent turn, you know, and what we measure return on is how much does it cost to get an email address, a qualified email and get them into the system, right? But we want to make sure that you know, that is as optimal as possible, right? So you, we would do A-B testing with ads and other things like that. And that's proven to be difficult because I don't really have my staff on that. It's just me personally. Uh, whereas my staff have all of our clients, you know, Sean and Ryan are, you know, dominating the Kickstarter or well, dominantly working on Kickstarter clients. Uh, that's I do look I over your ads to make sure they're not falling off the cliff. Uh, are you briefly. judging me? I, I see your ad since I'm back on Facebook. That's all I see is deliverance, deliverance, deliverance. <laughs> You're increasing our cost per impression, man. Stop that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I need Hopefully a, you so liked it and clicked through. Let me, uh, let yeah. me uh, bar myself from Facebook for, again. Just until, until, keeps on, uh, keeps on clicking them. <laughs> no, I haven't clicked on it. I, I know where it goes if you click on it, so I'm not clicking on it. There, I see you've had a couple. You've been doing a lot of split testing, so I've been seeing um, some different images go through. And some different, uh, some different wording. And I think that's important ads. because people get fatigued, right? If you just have the same ad running, you don't change it. It's mm -hmm. good to switch it up now and again, or even pause it for a while and put it back on. I think it just helps people from now. Usually, the the demographics that we're pumping ads into are so big that's unlikely that they're going to see it, you know, several times. But still, it might be nice that if they do see it again, they're seeing a different image. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, yeah, we actually, I actually started running ads in, so we have general gamers. I call them general gamers, general board gamers that are also interested in Kickstarter. We have uh, market uh, markets related to Christian nerds. So people, we just, Sean and I put this uh, audience together based on our customer's target market. We wanted to figure out, you know, people are our ideal market is our board gamers that are interested in hobby games that have backed things on Kickstarter that also are Christians or get uh, or like Christian media or whatever. And that's actually kind of a hard market to target because most Christians that I know don't like Christian media. It's just, uh, it's just 
kind of cringy, you know, and it's, it's a little, it's a little tough, but we found, I I really feel like we found this amazing audience and it it came off of doing our, a customer avatar, what they like. And, you know, we even come up with a name, how old they are and, you know, other things like that. I did up a form for that. Yes, actually. So now we, we're asking all of our clients for their customer avatars. And so it, it's, uh, I think it's really going to improve our, our service offering. But um, I found, you know, Sean and I were coming up with, with movies, like what are Christian movies that are cringy and terrible and decent and everything in between in relation to those ads that we created, um, Veggie Tales, uh, Woodlawn, War Room, Courageous, Chronicles of Narnia, and a bunch of other movies, Soul Surfer, Faith Like Potatoes. We looked at all sorts of other things. Um, so, uh, so yeah, let's talk, let's talk about shipping stuff because that is another area. Yeah. That is something that can just be such a can of worms for creators and in with deliverance, it is, it's not easy because the, the fees aren't just, they are not absolute. You can't be completely certain about them. You can estimate, but even numbers that are like, all right, you pay, you know, let's say $15 to ship a parcel of this certain size to the US and uh, 16 to ship it to the UK. But they didn't tell you about the 20% VAT fee. So your parcel is either going to cost a lot more if you're an end backer or it's going to cost you a lot more to get it into the country. And then, oh my goodness, you have to be VAT registered, which is going to cost you a certain amount of money per month, you know, for a year, maybe three to $5,000 to sell your game in the EU and the UK. And it can be kind of a nightmare, but basically that is a way to tax everything. So here in Europe, everything is taxed. Whenever you buy something, you're paying tax. You withdraw money, you're paying tax. You're Lincoln, you're paying tax. <laughs> we're we're uh, in America, we're getting there too. We have uh, we have state tax, but now we have use tax and all this other stuff. Well, so with all this shipping, can't you use something like fulfillment by Amazon or or, you know, just something where, <laughs> isn't there like third-party companies that can ship this for you and take care of this problem? So, yeah, there are third-party companies. And this is actually the probably the first point of great importance related to shipping is that you should not do it yourself. There are third-party fulfillment partners that don't charge a whole lot more. And actually, sometimes they get even better rates than you can. And they will make your life a lot easier. So the what I've been told by other creators that have decided to do their own shipping they're oftentimes smaller campaigns is that uh something that is like less than 400 parcels so less than 400 games or backers or whatever that is something that you can sometimes take a couple of weeks and get out yourself you know go to the post office and send parcels and whatnot you oftentimes don't really end up saving much money but you can you can do it yourself and it does make things a lot simpler for people that just want to like maybe only sell in the US, which is kind of the the most dominant Kickstarter market. But for a game like Deliverance, that's not an option for me because there are people all over the world that really want it. So I, I need to have some kind of solution to get it to them. The idea behind the shipping partner is that they are a group that will take a lot of the burden off of you. The actual shipping and fulfillment, they'll take off of you. 
and the um, payment of various things, they will help you through. Yeah, that sounds like it's a value in and of itself because that does sound like a nightmare, especially when you're doing international shipping for the different laws, import fees, warehouses. It's just you're getting to the weeds and being able to hand it over to someone I think could be a great benefit to people. Yeah, you know, bottom line is that uh, when people figure out all that is involved, they uh, so there's this thing that will help your campaign get more backers, which is region-friendly shipping. Um, so the concept behind region friendly is you uh, have everything manufactured at a, a board game manufacturing facility in China or maybe in Germany. So they uh, will ship from China to uh, a fulfillment hub inside the region. What that means to you is that you get charged for uh, to actually get those games into the board. Let's just say it's the European Union. Maybe your your hub is going to be located in Germany, or if it's the UK, you know your your hub will be there. The idea is that you pay for the value added tax to get your product inside that hub, and then your backer only has to pay what they call last mile shipping. That would be shipping from the hub to their house. And they, because it's already within the region, they don't have to pay any import fees. And it's a whole lot more reasonable from the backer's perspective. Now, the challenge with it from a creator perspective is that you have to, I mean, I mentioned it, you have to pay not only import fees, but you have to pay freight to get it there. So, you know, freight to Canada, let's say it could be a thousand dollars freight, you know, just depending on how much of a, of a uh, container you are taking up on a ship. And then storage as well, right? Because you have to store your games somewhere and they have to be shipped from a place. I'm sure you've been charged, what mm -hmm. is it, a monthly fee? You know, numbers that I'm familiar with are like $20 per month per pallet of games up to $60 per month per pallet. And Amazon does the same thing, Rick. You, you asked about Amazon. You can use fulfillment by Amazon. It's something that a lot of creators do. Um, there are some negative, like some downsides. A uh, big one is... Um, the uh, so it's it's twenty dollars per pallet per month, I believe, and then you have to have your game at at least three Amazon fulfillment centers across the United States. Uh, so this is I only know the U.S. as far as Amazon. And um, the thing with Amazon though is if your product doesn't really move, so let's say your pallet doesn't really sell very much, they will increase your warehousing cost to a thousand dollars a month, and they have wow. the right to do it. Yeah, it's, it's gnarly, and I've seen that happen. And that will happen until your game starts selling because Amazon makes money by selling stuff. And if your game's not selling, they're going to make their money in a different way from you. You'll see creators cut their game into... Uh, they'll basically just try to liquidate their game at that point. Um, we had this happen with a, a client of ours. It's not been a recent example, but probably about a year ago, we uh, marketed a game called Commissioned the Call expansion. And right before we did, they had the rest of their games in the Amazon uh, fulfillment centers and uh, or Amazon warehouses. And they weren't really selling. And Amazon slapped them with a $1,000 a month fee. So they jumped on social media and were like, hey, guys, we're doing a 40% off sale. If you go to Amazon right now, you can get it 40% off for the next two weeks. They got a lot of people buying it, a lot of people giving it as gifts. And after about 20 or 30 sales, Amazon dropped their fee back down to normal. And so it is definitely something that can happen. The benefit of being on Amazon is that everybody shops on Amazon, but also, you know, you have to be wary. You know, if your game just doesn't move, it's a dangerous place to just keep stock. 
And it's just the importance of having that social media presence that you can leverage that email list, that community that so if something that, like that does happen, you can reach out to them and they can get behind you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so this this sounds like a logistical nightmare. I mean, from just, just from you guys talking, I'm like, whoa. As a publisher, how do you present this to your backers or how do you handle this? And what costs do you accept or take and absorb and which you don't? And how does it work so it's a benefit for, for your backers? So the, the first thing is that that's going to, that answer is going to vary by project, but there are a few constants that you can always rely on. So some sage advice, no matter what path you decide to take. The first one we mentioned, have a logistics partner that can help you. I absolutely recommend ShipQuest and Quartermaster Logistics and Fun Again Fulfillment are uh, several different options. There's also D6 Fulfillment, which I don't want to throw shade or anything, but they didn't respond to my requests as, you know, no matter how many times I contacted them. Granted, they are fulfilling Frosthaven at the time of my uh, inquiry, so they're probably completely slammed. I wouldn't be surprised if they were just, they just didn't have the manpower to do it. But I've heard good things about D6 fulfillment as well. So you definitely need to have a shipping partner. And um, there are shipping consultants that you can go find that will help you kind of navigate through this whole shipping conundrum. They will do it for you, again, for an extra fee. That's one constant that you can, you can rely on. Now, the next thing is, related to your estimate that you give on your Kickstarter page. So to a backer, it's going to look really simple. It's going to say, you're, you're going to have this uh, shipping chart that shows the region. It's like United States, the United Kingdom, the European Union. Let's say maybe you break the European Union into several different countries or maybe several different zones, like zone one, zone two, whatever. Um, all of those places are going to have a number and that's going to be what people who buy from that region will pay for your product. It can get more complicated if you have like add-ons and other things like that. But let's just say you have a game, you're gonna ship it to someone in the United States, it's gonna cost $6. You ship it to someone in the UK, it's gonna cost $8. So the backer, it's gonna look really simple. Now, it's really important to remember that those are estimates and that they are subject to change. So the numbers that you give, as long as you give a good faith estimate based on knowledge that you gain from a hopefully a reliable shipping partner and don't just make stuff up, that is where you will own yourself. Those estimates are subject to change and may very well change. I have great estimates for deliverance, but we may not ship until next year when they raise their, you know, every shipping company in the world raises their shipping rates. That's something that is totally subject to change. So if I were to say, okay, deliverance is going to be $9 to somebody in the US, it could end up being $12 just because shipping rates change. Maybe Suez Canal gets blocked again, you know, whatever happens, right? And um, backers are, you know, and by the way, if I were to cover that cost with 5,000 backers, that'd be $15,000 extra that I would have to come up with out of my own pocket. But divided across 5,000 backers, that's three bucks each. And yeah, you might whine about it, but it's, I've never seen a company get put on blast for a nominal shipping increase. Another important element for our listeners to know is that you don't have to set those numbers in stone. Certain other numbers, like the offer the, that, uh, that you're, you're asking people to pay for your game, that is set in stone. As soon as people see it and back your game at a certain amount, you can't increase it. And, and the market is going to look forever at Kickstarter and say, oh, yeah, you know, 
Frosthaven is $160, but I was able to get it on Kickstarter for 100 That's going to always be a challenge that a, a local game store will, will have to try to overcome in a buyer. And then there's also people's expectations of shipping costs, isn't there? You know, people expect a certain threshold of shipping for certain types of games. So Andrew, could you maybe explain what would be a reasonable shipping estimate or what, what would consumers think is reasonable based on certain types of games? So maybe like a, a small tuck box party game to like a, all the way up to like a really crunchy, you know, minis heavy big box game. What, what kind of, what, what should people expect to, to put down as estimates? So what would consumers expect to pay for shipping? for those products there well there are people who try to treat shipping as its own expense it is what it is and that's just what you're going to pay i think that's the wrong approach because amazon has trained the consumer i mean really it's amazon and every other small e-commerce business trying to follow along you get free shipping at a certain point wow right (laughs) say that in your chaotic evil voice free two-day shipping i actually like i actually was going to bring that up i get i am so spoiled with amazon prime that it is literally, I'm used to free shipping. So one one day I had to buy something on eBay because I couldn't find it on Amazon. I'm like, what? $8.99 for shipping on top of what I'm already paying? And it freaked me out. So yeah, you're right. I am super spoiled with that free shipping. Yep. Yeah. There's there's a meme that's floating around somewhere. It's like uh, $99 with uh, $15 shipping. No thanks. Um, $150 with free shipping. That sounds mm-hmm. right. People really do look at shipping and they're like, oh, I, I'm opposed to this. So your numbers... You have to, so as far as what is palatable and acceptable, it's going to vary by the weight and size of your game. Really, it's the cost of the game. You know, if your game is a $49 game and you're asking people to pay $19 shipping, that's going to be quite unreasonable to people. If it's a $150 game and you're asking people to pay $19 for shipping, that is actually sounds like a pretty good deal. That's the first thing is that your your shipping is absolutely going to vary. What I would recommend is for creators to go find similar games similarly priced games maybe even in a similar genre that did very well on kickstarter and look at what they did for shipping you'll find companies that charged a reasonable amount you'll find companies that charged you're like how in the world did they charge that low and then you'll find others that charge quite a lot and the companies who charge very very low are doing one of two things they are either number one subsidizing the cost of their shipping which is reducing the amount that they're going to actually make per copy of their game, which I think is a smart idea up to a point. And if it's free shipping, they're probably going to lose money. In my opinion, it is not a good thing to offer free shipping on Kickstarter. Or do you think they're putting the shipping price within the actual pledge itself? So when you buy back the pledge, you're actually paying for a percentage of the shipping. And then the, you know, the shipping price is just like the last 30% of the shipping that you've already paid for. Yeah, that's that's some in some cases that is exactly how they're doing it. it I, with deliverance, for example, if I'm shipping into the U.S., I will be paying anywhere from sixteen to twenty-one dollars, depending on the version of the game that you're getting. So that there's a fifty-nine dollar edition of deliverance that is going to cost about fifteen to sixteen dollars of shipping, and I am going to subsidize six to you know six to seven dollars of the uh, cost of shipping. So. The game would cost me, let's just let's just say the game costs me, you know, like twelve dollars with the freight cost is maybe thirteen dollars. I'm gonna sell it for fifty-nine. So fifty-nine dollars minus thirteen dollars is is the actual margin that I have to to make, you know, in, in theory, 
by the way, minus all of my advertising costs and that kind of thing and graphic design and art and, and, you know, everything like that. I think you're already way in the hole, Andrew. Right. And <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you, you would subtract your, your shipping out of that margin and then you would just make less per copy, but of course more people would buy it. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking at, at asking a backer $9 for shipping, that's not cheap. But at the same time, it's much uh, more reasonable. $60 game, $9 shipping, that's not too bad if I like the game, right? Mm -hmm. Now there's the edition that might cost me $21, will cost the end consumer $89. So I will subsidize $11 or so, maybe $12 of shipping in that $89 price in order to also charge the customer at the end $9 for shipping. It will make me less money, but at the same time, I have that margin to play with, and I believe that that is going to cause more people to jump on board. If I were to, if it was eighty nine dollars and I was charging the full twenty one for shipping, you would you would have some people just not back because it's too expensive or the offer's not great enough. So you really need to look at other games that do it well and see what their offers are. That will really help you. But at the in the end, you know if. Um, I estimated $21 shipping and to the customer I asked for $9, but it really cost me $23. I can charge $11 to the customer and uh, that won't be a problem. Now, this is maybe the next issue is that you can't do that if you don't have a pledge manager. If you charge ship your, your shipping in Kickstarter. It's set in stone. Yeah. And also Kickstarter will take a fee from your shipping. So, you know, if your shipping is I don't know if you're going to charge your customer $10 for shipping. Kickstarter is going to take 5% of that and Stripe is going to take another 5% of that. And so hopefully, you know, with 10% out of that shipping, that's going to actually take a dollar away just because you decided to charge for shipping on Kickstarter. In addition to that, if I, if I were to charge $10 for, let's just say a $60 product, you know, $10 shipping for a $60 product, I would have to pay about $70 right then and there on Kickstarter versus paying $60 and then several months down the road when it's ready to ship, paying the last $10. I will say that there is, um, I forget what it's called. It's a, uh, it's a phenomenon where if you, you, you've sunk the cost into the game and they're asking you to pay another 10 bucks six months down the road and you're annoyed about that, but you've already paid 60. You might as well just pay the last 10. There's that's uh, that sunk cost. It's a fallacy. It doesn't mean that you, that, you know, you, you should, but people often feel committed because they've already paid for the game. It leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. Yeah. If yeah, if you if you really gut people afterward, I've seen cases where you know for for a game and then say oh shipping's five dollars and they actually actually have a game on my shelf back there that uh, that they did that where they charge for the game and then charge for the shipping and then a few months later they're like hey we can't deliver the game because we underestimated our cost we need you to pay ten dollars more in order to for us to actually deliver it to you. And of course that, you know, gets people really, really upset at that point. You're just like extremely irresponsible with the money. Like, what did you do? Where did you, how much booze did you buy? Well, here's, a, here's an interesting question. As a publisher, what would you do if someone refuses to pay the shipping? They've already paid in the game and they're like, I'm not paying anymore. You refund their pledge. Say, thank you very much. And you refund their pledge. And in the end, it's like, 
you know, 20 bucks that you're making or something like that. You know, it's just not, not worth it to, to fight about it. You're going to have a lot of people who are asking for things. You know, some people will be annoyed at you that you haven't updated them in the last 18 minutes. And then others will be annoyed that you update too often. And then others will, you know, find it like, uh, this happened with me the other week, uh, with deliverance, people thought that Michael, the Archangel was a feminine character in the game. And some people got upset and they just put me on blast and said, what a terrible person I was. And they unsubscribed from my email list. What? Really? Why? What, what was that from? Like an image that they yeah, misinterpreted. Yeah. So, yeah I, I think I saw the image and it's, it was because it was overlapped with another card. And so I think the name of the angel was yeah, over so, another angel's picture. So it. Yeah, so uh, like something else. that's right. So in, in Deliverance, your character card, your art is on the left-hand side. And then your name is kind of to the right of the art instead of above the art. And so the way I organized the image, it was a very artful, fun image. And it had all of the character cards next to each other in kind of like a staircase shape, like a cascading shape. And uh, it Michael's name was over the portrait for Christine who is actually modeled after my wife and Christine's name was, was over Sardius, who is a big Ethiopian. So Christine, so basically people thought I was married to a, a big African man and that was awkward. And others thought Michael was a little too progressive and they, uh, it was funny. That's hilarious. I just, and they just, they just flat out, like just flamed you and quit. They didn't let you like investigate. Oh yeah. They all, they, Man, it was, people it was are hilarious. Yes. It was crazy. Trigger yeah. happy, trigger happy. That's what this culture has gotten to these days. That's nuts. Those people probably weren't going to back anyway, you know? Yeah. You know, sometimes people will say, um, like the other day I, I asked people to, you know, in the comment sections of Kickstarter, you'll have trolls that back for a dollar and then flame you and then unback and you know after they've said their piece and or maybe others that uh just flame and that's like kind of where they are they're at you know they're there to try to light the campaign on fire see it burn into the until it sinks until the ship sinks in the ocean you can't troll back or anything like that you need your backers to kind of go to bat for you and say no this is a really good game or whatever right so i was telling that to my community and hey guys this you know it could be a real cesspool when we go to kickstarter i don't know and so you guys gotta help me and everyone was like yeah i'm on board and then one person sent me a private message and said you know as a christian you really shouldn't call people trolls that's a bad name and i i could tell they probably didn't understand like we're probably not like a video gamer or whatever, because that's like a pretty normal term. Are you trolling me? I know, I know. Your oh. your post is sus, dude. You know, you, you know what? Whatever you do, you, you're putting yourself into the spotlight, and people are going to misinterpret what you write. They're going to decide that you actually had you know bad intentions or whatever, and you have to just endure it and just say you know thanks and let them do whatever they want to do so yeah that's um that's what i would do i would just refund and sometimes people that might not necessarily want to be refunded you can refund in order to make go away you can make them go away it's not like yeah. you know for us we have a service based business and we kind of live and die based on our reputation but a uh you know and and that's that is true to a lesser extent for retail businesses and whatnot but it's not like giving you a one star review on yelp for an e-commerce business is really going to hurt you. You know, the the worst that somebody can do is they can go online to a board game forum and smear your name or smear your company or say, what a jerk these people were. Um, but, uh, you know, that's like in the very worst of, of circumstances and oftentimes is treated by the community with a little bit of a grain of salt, unless something is true. Um, 
but even still there's there are companies that are gnarly that have a terrible reputation that are making you know they're doing just just fine for themselves so another thing about kickstarter if you if you put your shipping into the actual pledge itself you cannot alter that pledge once the campaign is live so it is baked in there if your shipping is somehow changed well there's nothing nothing you could do it's just locked into into that so we recommend that you do not use kickstarter to bake in your your shipping do it later through through a pledge manager you should definitely give an estimate of shipping i will say that if your estimate is too high you will get people even if it's fair you'll get people deciding not to back your campaign and that is just a a formula that you have to decide you know what's worth more to you and hopefully you do your numbers right and you get you know you have hard data to base your conclusions on you know for me i'd like deliverance to you know get to more of the world i would like to print more units and scale from my manufacturing cost if i print a thousand or let's say 500 units of of the base game it's 20 bucks if i or 25 dollars. if i print 5,000 units of the base game it's like 11 dollars and 50 cents huge difference and so if i can get more people to to buy it's going to be a lot less expensive for me I'm going to be able to do a lot more and get more as far as the like stretch goals and other things like that. So Andrew, are you going to offer t-shirts part of the different packages and pledges, or is that just another can of worms with extra shipping and another headache on top of what you're already doing? Well, it is absolutely another can of worms with headache and, and that kind of thing. I, to give people a little background, I did a set of t-shirts for deliverance that became very popular. We ended up printing like about 250 t-shirts and I have, uh, we sold, you know, almost 200 so far. And, uh, so I do have some that are, that are left and everything that I'm actually not selling. I'm not offering them for sale because one parcel here, one parcel there, it's like a kind of a pain in the neck to, to ship out, right. When you're making like $5 or something per shirt in the end, but it, it really is, uh, another headache. And, I'm actually thinking I will not do t-shirts during the Kickstarter campaign because of that. It's complicated because you have different sizes that people need and and so on. Even if you get the exact number that people wanted, you make those orders, you still have to split them into their proper boxes. And then if you get it wrong, that's that's a lot. Or maybe if people underestimated or overestimated their size, you're going to run into a lot of returns and, and that sort of thing. It sounds like it's something you should sell that live events like at conferences and you know gaming conventions and things like that we you have a booth people can buy a shirt absolutely i i actually looked at my shirts as a marketing expense i did not look at them as something that i wanted to make money off of so i upgraded the quality to the very super duper high max and it, we didn't really make a whole lot like you know sometimes for international shipping we would charge like $14 to get it into the philippines and it would be like $30 to to actually get it to where we needed and but that's okay because it cost me you know 10 bucks to ship and i charged $20 and it was so $34 that they that they paid in total including shipping and uh, so I lost like $6, but that's okay because I have a fan in the Philippines with a deliverance shirt who's walking around super excited. I spent $6 in order to get somebody that's super excited about deliverance. And you, know. you got a smile on their face. That's priceless. Yeah. <laughs> the t-shirts are, are just another logistical difficulty. And then you add on the fact that we're doing neoprene mats, we're doing metal coins, and we're doing two different versions of the uh, deluxe in the base game. And minis. 
yeah, with minis and you're, you know, it just adding a t-shirt onto that is like sitting it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> like that comic book did. Oh man. Yeah. So basically when you add one extra thing, it, you know, on top of the four or five other things you're already doing, it complicates it. And, and especially as a, um, a newer publisher that doesn't have a ton of infrastructure put in place yet, I think that that's a recipe for a com complex fulfillment process, not to mention that I have, you know, so six children and six pledge levels, just, it just sounds like too much. On a side note, I am uh, sporting my deliverance uh, shirt today. So got that on. They are very comfy, very nice. However, my advertising efforts aren't that great because I don't really leave the house. And <laughs> so, so Andrew, with all this, you know, the ship, we talked a lot about shipping today, but what currently is going on with deliverance right now? What are your, your wins? What are your issues? What's just happening this week with? So my goal is to really beyond all else, of course, I have to have the essential content for Kickstarter. So the actual Kickstarter landing page is being built. Uh, we're going to get the Kickstarter page approved so that people can go and follow the page and, uh, you know, follow to get notified on launch, uh, which is part of our process. So that's really important um, to give people enough time to do that. I'm happy to say that we're on schedule for it. But the most important thing by far is that my community is coming alive. So we're sending emails out to people that a lot of people are opening them and reading them. We are, uh, I actually post like every day, every morning on the Deliverance Facebook group. So there's the uh, Deliverance Game Insiders Facebook group that at the moment, I mean, it's just every post gets like, you know, a hundred people liking and, you know, that kind of thing. It, you know, my, I had a post today that is, you know, that I just posted, but the post that I posted uh, yesterday has 142 people liking and 30 comments. The one before that, 118 people liking, 59 comments. The post reach is actually quite high for all of these posts. So I'm really excited about that. And it just seems like a lot of people are ready and getting prepared for... Hyped. Yeah. So, yeah. So my goal is just to try to make it blow up as, as, as large as it possibly can on launch day. You know, it'd be really nice. <laughs> it'd be really nice to, uh, to see the game fund on the first day and, you know, unlock all the stretch goals and everything like that. There will be a limited amount of stretch goals that we actually do unlock. If we get to like a million dollars, the final stretch goal is going to be that my artist you know, works for me full-time, you know, but isn't your artist already working for you full-time? Well, you know, he works part-time <laughs> alongside like homeschooling his kids and that kind of thing. Actually, uh, what the plan is, his wife would quit her job. She has a nursing job. She would quit that and he would come and work full-time on the expansion. So we might have Dan working. You have to do Angel's model to a fuss. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we'll get you. I think uh, that's a bad Angel news account. though. For some reason you're your, your, your newsletter is like my sent to my, my work email. Uh -huh. And so I haven't opened those. So you're sorry. Your open rates. You're one of those you know, never openers. Plummet because <laughs> I'm trying to get work done. I'm like, Oh, it's important. Oh, it's just delivered. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> I know this podcast is really cool, but I can't rhyme. <laughs> Sometimes this podcast is for the birds, but that's all the time we got for this week's crowdfunding nerds. Boom. <laughs> and that's probably the best I will ever do rapping. So for those of you listening, I'm sorry, we're out of time. Um, however, you can always visit our website, crowdfundingnerds.com, and view all of our great stuff we got in previous episodes. Also, 
to be in the loop and know what real marketing is, visit deliverancethegame.com. Get on that email list. See what we're doing, uh, what we're throwing out at people to see how, you know, to get them excited and going for for our game. And of course, it is a great game. So even if you don't like our marketing skills. The landing page does convert quite well. So it is a good case study to use for. Um, yes. It, it, it converts extremely well, actually. And that's all I got. Peace out. Stay dirty, guys. Adios. Adios. Adios.